0: We're genetically programmed, biologically evolutionarily programmed to avoid anything that gives us discomfort, whether it's physical discomfort or whether it's mental discomfort. And this allowed us to survive. This is you know, this is part of the limbic system, the deeper part of our brain that reacts before we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is understanding this is the key is that we are our body, the default, our minds and bodies Default is to go like you're saying. Eat the, the food that it's pleasurable. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Don't eat the food that's not so, you know, tasty. Uh, stay on the couch.
1: Don't go for a run. Hi there, listeners. Welcome back. This is Carol Lee Walker, a writer living in Washington, D.C. Yay! My book, Getting My Bounce Back, is out, and if you haven't ordered your copy, it's available everywhere. I've really loved the opportunity to speak about my experience at book events, and I don't know why I should be as surprised that during the Q&As, the same questions come up again and again. They're the same questions I asked myself as I began my personal fitness revolution in February 2014. But at that time, I still had no clue just how much I didn't know about both exercise science and the psychology behind what it means to get an exercise habit. The one common thread that came out of those events was how much we struggle with the fact that we don't want to exercise. We do it because we think we have to, and we treat it like any other chore. So I was thinking, what if we could learn to crave exercise? If we could learn to crave what is good for us? We certainly don't need any prodding to relax on the couch or go out to see a movie. So why is it so hard to drag ourselves to the gym? Of course, I reached out to Dr. Chris Friesen, my favorite sports and high performance psychologist and author of Achieve, which is now available as an audiobook on audible.com. In my conversation, Chris explains why we naturally crave what might be considered easy, and he has some good suggestions about how to turn it around. So here you go my conversation with Dr. Chris Friesen.
0: Hey, Tara.
1: Hi, Chris. It's Caroline. Hey. How are you? Good, good, good. <laughs> So to start off, Chris, I mean, I know you and uh, we've worked together and I've read your book, but can you um, tell me kind of what you're up to now and a little bit about yourself and the kind of work that you do and what your interests are for those of you who may not have read your book?
0: Sure, sure. Uh, The easiest way to think of it, I'm a performance psychologist, which is a bit broader than a sports psychologist. Um, I'm also a neuropsychologist, which is a type of psychologist that specializes in the brain, uh, disease of the brain, that sort of thing. Um, As you know, like you said, I've written a book uh, called Achieve. Uh, It's part of a series. The other books haven't come out yet. Um, I work a lot with high performers. Uh, Whether they be athletes, most of them are. uh, uh, Their athletes are up-and-coming or professional athletes or uh, national or international athletes in various sports. Um, I also work with executives and professionals of various sorts. They could be academics, they could be writers, they could be um, uh, dentists, you name it. Uh, So basically people contact me and they want to basically take their life, uh, their performance to the next level, whether it's being productive, whether it's being motivated, whether it's dealing with nerves during uh, big meetings, uh, uh, competitions, that kind of thing. And so that's uh, basically what I'm up to most of the time.
1: That's great. Um, I I was thinking about you because um, I've been doing a, a few book talks on my book um, that just yeah. came out. I'm sure you've done that too. And you learned something. I've learned something about myself. Um, and. Uh, by the questions that are being asked at these events. And um, one of the most common, frequently asked question I get is from women, maybe my age, in their um, late 50s, early 60s, who, who say um, that they know what to do, they just don't do it, in terms of their exercise. Or they'll say, I know what to do, I'm just lazy. And I always laugh when I hear that, especially when I know these women and there isn't anything lazy about any of us in terms of what we do on any given day. So I thought about you um, because I wondered if we could like change our mindset so that we want to do the things, we want to do the kind of exercise and we want to eat the kind of foods that we should be eating to achieve our weight loss goals or our fitness goals and it doesn't seem like a chore, or it doesn't seem um, like it's something we have to do, that we sort of naturally gravitate toward those habits or those foods the way we gravitate towards donuts or bagels or, or you know, sitting on the couch and binge-watching television. So could you maybe address, Maybe I'm very long-winded there, but this is why I was thinking about reaching out to you, and I wondered if you could help me out with this a little bit.
0: Yes, definitely, and you know that's, um, that's, that's a common complaint that people have is, is this motivation side of things. I think there's a number of reasons for it, and, and I have lots of recommendations as well. But a, a number of reasons, one of the main reasons in my belief, my perception is that our modern world has is, is, is made stuff so, for lack of a better term, cushy for us. Uh, we, compared to basically all of history, of human history, and, you know, where we've evolved and what we've come from living in, you know, Africa. Uh, we, uh, we have never had it so easy. When we're hot, we can turn on air conditioning. When we're cold, we turn off, uh, you know, uh, the heat, the furnace. We can sit down. We don't have to stand all day long for most of us who work. Our jobs are not as physically, physically laborious as they were in the past. Uh, and there was a lot more mental stress, uh, you know, that are, that are that was real mental stress in the sense of people are more likely to die or children are more likely to die, that kind of thing. So what's what part of what's happened is kind of the price of modernity. We we have this uh, with modernity, we have all these great conveniences, but at the same time, it kind of weakens us both, both
1: physically and mentally, and makes us less able to tolerate pain hmm.
0: and you know and i think i think that's sort of, we're discomfort, of it,
1: or even just discomfort
0: that's right and we're genetically programmed biologically evolutionarily programmed to avoid anything that gives us discomfort whether it's physical discomfort or whether it's mental discomfort and this allowed us to survive this is you know this is part of the limbic system the deeper part of our brain that reacts before we think mm-hmm. um, and and this is understanding this is the key is that we are our body, the default. Our minds and bodies, the default is to go like you're saying, eat the food that it's pleasurable, that's easy. Yeah. Don't eat the food that's not so, you know, tasty. Uh, stay on the couch. Don't go for a run. Um, and that's the default. And once you kind of know that, that that's what we're genetically programmed to do. Um, then we can kind of hack the system in a way. Mm-hmm. We can understand, you know, what what's going on and uh, try and work around that. Uh, And and, and I can go on I have lots of
1: recommendations of how to do that Yeah, uh, no, definitely I I was just thinking um, You know um, I know if you go to the running store There's like all kinds of cushy shoes For running And there's Mm -hmm. also shoes that are more um, Like uh, barefoot type of shoes And I know When I was trail running for the first time I found it harder To run in the cushy shoes Because I couldn't feel the terrain So I'm wondering um, if that's kind of, you you know, that's, it's kind of a metaphor almost for what you're talking about. It's like hard to feel, it's hard, and what I'm trying to say, I I mean, I've been working on this for a long time. It's hard to feel what your body actually needs when you're so cushioned um, uh, from anything that's uncomfortable, if you know what I'm saying. That's right.
0: And and, and what our body needs um, is is not available to us uh, in, in that sense, because what our body needs again what we're programmed to do is to not feel pain and to pursue pleasure. That's really what it comes down to. The, the basic you know mind, you know goal, the limbic system is older part of our brain, so it's more of an emotional system. That's what it's designed to do. It's just to allow you to survive and procreate. You know, this is uh, this is the only it's only goal. And so it's very difficult because to figure out what your body actually needs um, is really means what does it need in the future, mm-hmm. um, whereas we're programmed to really, you know, think of what we need right now. In the sense of okay, we need to. It feels good to rest. It feels good to avoid anything that's physically demanding, or is going to make you sweat or hurt in any way. And this is where the prefrontal cortex, the you know, the front of our brain that makes us different. This is we have this massive prefrontal cortex. That allows us to fly to the moon, um, whereas monkeys and dogs are driving cars and flying to the moon. This mm-hmm. is the reason why uh, this is why we're the dominant species. And so, what it comes down to is, it's we have to really get in touch with and really activate that prefrontal cortex to really figure out why uh, something is important. And I have a whole bunch of examples, but this gives exercise as an example. Um, the um, first thing you need to do is, you need to make sure exercise is just a routine. So this, this is, these are the tips to hack the system in a way. Um, it needs to be a routine, um, but just before that, what you really have to do is get in touch with what's really important to you. What, you know, what are your values? What are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? Because what's gonna happen is, and I've experienced this myself, when at 6 a.m. when my alarm goes off, and I am exhausted and I wanna press snooze, um, my limbic system is activated. My prefrontal cortex is at its weakest point during, the, during a 24-hour cycle when you're exhausted. And I have to really fight, like we all do, to remind myself, why am I getting up to go to the gym right now? I have to go through the reasons why. Um, you know, what are my values? Who do I want to be? What's important to me? Health is important to me. Um, you know, what, what's my goal? Let's say I wanted to compete in a particular, I don't know, uh, Ironman or something like that. I have to remind myself about that. And then you just physically move and get up. It's procrastination is very difficult. It's, it's once you start to do something, um, you know, things become a lot easier. So just getting in touch with your values, uh, that's the very first thing. And really getting in touch with your goals that's extremely important. Um, and of course your goals should be you know, smart goals, yeah. you know, specific, measurable, achievable, mm-hmm. relevant to who you are, your values, your goals, uh, and time bound. Um, if you say, I just want to be fit, that's too vague, you want to have some sort of goal you're working towards. Mm-hmm. By this date, I want to lose X number of pounds, or I want to run this uh, many miles in this many minutes by this particular time. And without that in mind, um, Having a vague goal such as I want to be fitter uh, is, is not going
1: mm-hmm. to not gonna motivate you. Well, you specific. know, Chris, one of the things yeah. you said earlier I really like latched onto was you made you said that phrase. You got to find ways to hack the system. So, is is can you ever get to a point where you are um, where you're actually comfortable exercising, and then will exercise still matter? So that. You can actually look forward to it and not dread it.
0: Yeah, is that a hack? I think so. I think that's possible. And, and so, a couple of things. One is, if you overtrain, if you exhaust yourself, uh, it's going to you're going to end the, the routine. You come out of the gym or off the, off, the, off the run and feel like crap. And when you feel like crap, your brain associates exercise with feeling like crap. Mm. You should really make sure that you you end your exercise. On a slight, with a slight euphoric feeling, you should feel good after you exercise. Um, doesn't mean you're not going to be sweating and feeling some pain, but there's, you know, the runner's high. There's a little bit of that feeling good. So if you're if you're feeling exhausted, uh, it's not going to help you maintain uh, an exercise routine. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, leave kind of on a high. So mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the first keys is to make sure you're not overdoing it and that you actually feel good, uh, especially at the end. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is. You know, to make it more fun, make it attractive. So, for example, uh, you know, if people tend to be quite extroverted or just want more social contact, when you exercise with other people, it serves a social function. And so that can motivate you as well because it seems more fun um, Mm -hmm. when you're doing it with someone else. Other things, uh, more introverted type people uh, like myself, I would listen to a podcast or my favorite audiobook. Like listen to your favorite music. Like uh, save it.
1: Save it for save it for when, you know, you're exercising. Like you can only listen to it when you're exercising. Is that what you mean? That's listen. actually a good
0: idea. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, if you're listening to the same song every day all day, you're gonna obviously get, uh, habituate to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, certain certain sort of pump up music that you actually really enjoy. If you're able to yeah, I think that's a great idea to try and hold off and like this is I save this for exercise. And then again, you're going to associate sort of pleasurable, positive feelings with the act of Mm exercising. So so it's it's not just about going, like just in my case, for example, I listen to podcasts and audio books. I'm actually looking forward to what's going to happen next in that book. And I don't have, you know, a lot of uh, other times to listen to it. And so this is, I'm actually, this is the benefit. I'm like, okay, I want to exercise just to listen to what happens next in the book. So I think that's. Uh, you know, really important as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Another hack, though, I think is important. I call it contrasting. And uh, the the Buddhists seem to know this really well. Um, But the idea is exercise will seem painful. It doesn't seem like suffering. It's always kind of painful, but whether it's suffering or not is a different question. Suffering is worse than painful. It's like pain for no reason, right? Uh, And so whether it's suffering or not, um, could has a lot to do uh, with what you're going to do that day, or when you're doing it during the day. So, as an example, if you get up on the weekend, let's say Saturday morning, and you used to uh, you know get up with your husband or your wife or your kids and do kind of fun stuff, have coffee and talk about stuff, you know, around the kitchen table, but instead you've gone downstairs or gone out to work out, um, you know, it's going to feel more like suffering that you're missing out on something. Mm. But if you're doing it, let's say exercising in the middle of your boring, painful work day, <laughs> um, when the stuff you're doing is actually quite boring, it doesn't seem as bad.
1: That's so
0: if, if hopefully that makes sense. You wanna be- basically make sure you don't feel like you're missing out on something when you're exercising. So the timing you do it, you should be doing it when this. you know, it's not like there's something awesome on television or something that mm. you're missing out. It's, it's something that, There's nothing amazing going on at that time, or whatever you're doing is kind of boring. So it's all relative. It's, it's, you know, if you're working on this long report, going down to exercise, for example, that actually might feel better than working on Mm -hmm. that report. But if you're, everyone's going out and you're after work and you're going to exercise, it's gonna be more difficult for you. So I think that's another thing you can do.
1: That's a great one. And what, and so how does conditioning fit into this? You know, you you always hear about athletes, you know, spending so much time conditioning. The more you do it, how long and how long does it take to get to a point where, you know, you've developed a sort of a cushion or a sense of conditioning so that when you exercise, um, you're enjoying it and also progressing?
0: Well, I think...
1: Where it's not, it's so, all, pain, where it's not so painful. Uh, yeah, I think it's all
0: relative. I think, again, if you... Let's say you you know you want to run uh, five miles and you haven't you, know, you haven't ran in, in, in months or mm-hmm. years. You know you're going to run for half a mile and that's it. And I think it's it's all relative. It's the same whether you're conditioned or not. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you're if you're extremely conditioned and you're just trying to maintain, then it's not going to feel like any pain. Mm-hmm. It just all, all has all to do with where you're at mm-hmm. with your fitness level. So I think even um, you know if you're a very uh, fit person. If you push yourself, you, you can get yourself exhausted, just like someone who's you know, not fit at all. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, it comes down to that idea of whether you're going to um, over-train or not, or train so much to, you know, too much exhaustion, too much pain, mm-hmm. too much soreness, that it becomes a negative experience. So I don't, I'm, I, I, I don't think, I think it's just relative. I think mm-hmm. it's a matter of when you first start out, you've got to start off easy and you're slowly uh, building up over time. Mm-hmm. One minute to your run, one more yeah. you know, uh, you know, hundred meters, I don't know, It's your run, you, know, yeah, you know, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, I think that is the key um, mm-hmm. when it comes to that. I think um, the other thing is you want to really just make it a routine. There's
1: mm-hmm.
0: something called if-to-then planning, uh, I think mm-hmm. it's called implementation intention, something like that. It's, 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 it's I talk about it in my book, um, research shows that if you use if-then planning, people are about three, to, I think it's three to five hundred percent more likely to achieve a goal. Often the research is done with exercise, so yeah. it comes down to something quite simple. Um, if-then planning: you say to yourself, "If X happens, I will do Y." Uh, so, for example, if your goal is to work out uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at four p.m., um, you know you make this statement in your head of this goal. If it's Monday, Wednesday, or Friday at 4 p.m., I will go to the gym. Mm. And uh, if-then planning is, um, you can think of it from a broader perspective, think of astronauts going to the moon, they don't just like decide they're going to figure stuff out once they get there. They've already come through a 1,000 if-then plans. Mm. If aliens show up, we will do this. <laughs> because all sorts of stuff, kind of like Mike Tyson said, everyone's got a plan until you're punched in the mouth, <laughs> until life yeah. throws something yeah. at you, right? And so I think it's really important to have um, uh, these plans. So if that plan means you're also figuring out if I'm tired this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have some uh, coffee before or if uh, my friends want to go out, I've already rehearsed what I'm going to do. And so that's what that means. It's beyond just saying Monday, Wednesday or Friday, I'm going to exercise at 4 o'clock. It's it's also saying if this comes up, this comes up, this comes up, then I will do why. I
1: like that
0: that's a, a very powerful strategy if you implement it on a regular basis. Yeah,
1: and on the other hand, um, you know, for many women, including myself, sometimes, you know, we do if-then planning in our lives, sometimes mm-hmm. we can get ourselves, like, into like a whole big story, and that can prevent us mm-hmm. from actually achieving something, and I always think about the Nike slogan, the Just Do It slogan, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there is some real value, and like... It's like getting rid of the story in your head and just doing it can you talk about that a little bit
0: yeah you know often on podcasts uh and ask what's the one thing that differentiates successful people from everyone else And at first i thought that was a ridiculous question and then i thought about it I thought, you know what there's actually one kind of main thing of course it's not just one thing but one main thing and successful means getting yourself to exercise it doesn't mean Mm-hmm. Anything right. other than that, just be doing the things you want to be doing yeah. um, that are important to you, that are difficult to do. And the most successful people um, don't make their day-to-day decisions in terms of what they do with their time. For example, exercise or eating vegetables. Um, they don't make it based on their moods. They don't base, base, make those decisions based on their, um, their energy levels. They don't make it based on even what your own mind is saying or even your circumstances. They make it based on their goals and values. Mm. So the most successful people uh, do things despite what their mindset they should or shouldn't do. You know, I should, I should press the snooze button. Uh, I should eat, you know, eat, let's eat a uh, hamburger or something instead of the uh, vegetables. Uh, I should just hang out with my friends instead of actually exercising. Um, this is the key. And the great thing about it um, is that the more you do this, the more you go against your circumstances, your moods, your energy—just do it anyways. Mm. The the more your brain gets, uh, the stronger your brain gets at doing things anyways. It just gets yeah. better. For example, people often say, "Well, I have to believe in myself, or you know, or I have to have high self-esteem before I can do something like write a book or or talk to someone, uh, you know, uh, some of the opposite sex, that kind of thing." Um, and the reality is, research shows it's the opposite self-esteem and confidence and self-efficacy don't come from convincing yourself. Mm-hmm. It comes from doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like when you touch the stove, your parents as a child could tell you, don't touch the stove, it's going to burn you. And until you actually touch the stove, yeah. you're going to learn in one millisecond never to touch the stove again. Um, but all the times your parents told you, it's not that strong. We learn by experience. Uh, this is true with therapy. It's true with everything. And so the the... It's so important that you just get yourself to do it. And the one thing in my book I call the five minute rule, which means um, even if you don't feel like doing something, you make a promise in your head: I'm going to do this activity for five minutes, no matter what you know my mind is saying, etc. And I give myself one hundred percent permission to stop if it's anywhere near as painful as I'm predicting it's going to be, like exercising. And ninety nine times out of a hundred, you go and you start exercising, and you tell yourself, okay, five minutes. This is Painful as I thought, I can Mm -hmm. stop. You don't stop because it's just your brain, again, is designed to prevent any physical uncomfortable feeling, mm-hmm. and it's biased to think that things that are uncomfortable are going to be unbearable, like mm-hmm. working out, doing your taxes, all those things. But the reality <laughs> is it's never quite as bad as we predict. Mm-hmm. And th- this is, again, another hack to mm-hmm. hack around these automatic things our brains do. And you just start for five minutes, just like writing your book, if you <laughs> only waited to write your book when you felt motivated, energized, caffeined <laughs> up, you know, ready to go, no doubting thoughts, believe everyone's going to buy your book, you would never have written that book. <laughs> You would do it anyways, and then decide whether to stop. If you like felt like you were going to vomit or something, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah you stop it. You know, yeah. so so you've experienced that. We've all experienced yeah. that. It's just applying it to certain other situations like exercise.
1: Yeah, and I think you're sort of clar- you know confirming my own uh experience and experimentation that when i i use a like a running app i use map my run or map my fitness if i plan to run five miles and i set the app for five miles i'm telling you chris when i get to like 4.5 miles i'm done if i set it for seven miles at 6.5 miles i'm like okay i'm done at seven i couldn't go another mile so it's like some mental um, you know, you know, I tell myself I'm going to do a certain amount in my app and that's what I'm going to do. And so I think that's, that could be part of it. Yeah, um, so and and, and, and this,
0: it also speaks to the idea of setting goals that are slightly beyond your reach. Yeah. Make your goals too simple, too easy. You're, 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 you're never, you know, if, if you're not going to achieve much, mm-hmm. if you're making your goals too far, you know, far fetched, mm-hmm. you're not going to achieve it. And yeah. It just shows you, when you make a goal, how much of it's mental, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, if you just say, well, I'm going to run this many minutes, in your mind, you're, you're kind of counting backwards. Mm-hmm. You're aware of how long, you know, how much is left, and um, you're prepared that this is going to end. Yeah. And so I think that just, and not to say that, I, I, I'm a big fan of making big goals, but at the mm-hmm. same time, yeah. I get lots of people make these ridiculously big goals yeah. that are bound to failure, no, you got to make small goals that you can achieve, but they're, they're reach goals. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're within reach, slightly difficult, but not so much that it's impossible. And so that actually motivates you. And then when you achieve that goal, yeah. when part of you thinks you couldn't have done it and you do it, that self-efficacy, that belief in yourself gets stronger, gets bigger, and it makes it easier next time. because like, it. it. I've done.
1: And it also helps with the guilt. I mean, sometimes, you know, if I, you know, I have my training plan and I plan to, you know, you know, you know, exercise for 45 minutes or an hour in the morning, but for some reason something trips me up in the morning or the dog needs a longer walk, um, then then I'll tell myself, okay, I'm only going to do 30 minutes rather than nothing so that I'm not feeling guilty for, you know, or beating myself over the head for not doing the full 45 minutes. It's, you know, making a plan and then kind of adjusting your goal so that you're not, you know, feeling guilt or badly about yourself for not achieving that goal, you know.
0: For sure, yeah, that's something you always keep in mind. Life,
1: comes, life happens. You know, comes up, yeah. life happens. Right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have to adjust your goal, like you're describing. Uh, you know,
0: to you know, because often goals are can be in conflict, right? If it's like in my book, I give, I forget the exact example, but it's kind of like you can have all these great plans and goals, but if you're, it turns out your mother's in the hospital and she, you know, she needs you to come see her, well, obviously you weren't thinking enough on your list of goals or, mm-hmm. you know uh, you drop these, these the things you thought you were going to do and, 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 and the, the more important value or goal takes hold and that's always okay um the other thing is we need to be careful about uh motivating ourselves through guilt mm. uh, definitely you know, then then this you know if, if we you can if you, know, you ever have someone telling you what to do, and uh, like in school or at work, so, you know micromanaging boss who's just constantly telling you what to do, that kills your motivation. And you can have the same thing happen with yourself. You know on Sundays, you're planning your week and you're kind of like this drill search. I'm gonna do this this and this, and then you, the day comes and you're tired, you're looking at this, you're like, oh my God, there's so many things I have to do, and you're going to feel resentful. Mm-hmm. And when we're resentful, we want to rebel. Yeah, and rebel, yeah. you know, we drop the plan, you know, so this you, you, you always want to be careful about guilt. You want to think, you know, look, why am I doing this? I, I want to be healthy, it makes me feel good. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and think of a lot of the positives that come out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, know it, you have to kind of work with your lifestyle to some extent. It's like if you think, oh, technically, research shows running is the best exercise. Let's say that that's mm-hmm. probably not the case, but pretend yeah. it was. Um, and you hate running but you love swimming and you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's, it's you do something, uh, you know, whatever you're going to do that you're going to do consistently um, uh, is, is the most important thing. Like for example, yeah. running on a treadmill versus running around the city city or the town or the country that you're living in, you know, if you like being outdoors and seeing things, that, you know, is, is important as well. The other mm-hmm. thing is, People often are so busy. Exercise can serve the function of simply clearing your mind, and and just you can start to crave that. Like you're saying earlier, this mm-hmm. like you're craving uh, something that's good for you. You can crave that solitude, or that being in your own mind, that own, your own space, mm-hmm. that kind of freedom. That you're doing it, but if you're exercising so so <laughs> intensely push yourself beyond your limits every time, it's gonna break you down. So you have mm-hmm. to, like even the most elite athletes, they don't train hardcore all the time. They go in spurts, yeah. certain days of the week, they go hard, other days they go light. And, and this is, they, they know this because this, otherwise you're gonna destroy your body. The good you're getting out of it is now mm-hmm. no good. You're mm-hmm. overtraining, your, your growth hormones reduced, you're gonna be more likely to get sick, your needs is, it's a stress, it's now a stress. Yeah. Uh, and so that's something to keep in mind too. Yes.
1: Well, Chris, thank you so much. Can you just, um, for anyone's listening who wants to hear more from you or read your book, um, can you? Is there a way for people to reach out to you, or is your book available through Amazon? This is Achieve, right? We're talking about. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Exactly. Amazon. Uh, it's on Audible, Amazon uh, Kindle, or paperback. Um, you, I think it's on iTunes as well. If yeah. you want the audio version, um, the, the best way to. You can touch is com. that's my website right. you go there you can join a, you know, get some tips and I have a little mailing list you can join and yeah. I send stuff out of a podcast and other tips great. Uh, to to listeners and of course I'm on you know Twitter and Facebook and that kind <laughs> of thing as well
1: thank you so much I really enjoyed talking to you as always and I will be in touch yes thank you, thank Good talk you. to you thanks have okay. a great day bye bye you too You've been listening to a production of My Brain on Endorphins. Special thanks to Owen Kelly for mixing and engineering and for the awesome theme music. Thanks for listening.